Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. There's been a lot of ama- amazing revelation happening here and elsewhere. And I just want to encourage us um, to keep it before us. You know, one of the things that um, God does in a new year, He kind of sets a trajectory. It's just kind of how, um, it's kind of how I think in life, you know, just, I kind of see way out ahead. And so I cast a big, long, year-long net. And um, just kind of as we troll along, it just picks up whatever it needs to pick up this year. I just, I'm really good with that process. So don't be fine. Find yourself on the shore. You just stay in the boat. Yeah. Stay in the boat. Okay, we're just moving along. Yeah. Anyway, we have a lot of things and momentum that I want to build on. And, um, you know, last um, Sunday, I think, a week ago Sunday, because we didn't come last Wednesday because y'all stayed home because you prayed for snow. <laughs> so that's what y'all did. Um, I began, um, talking about the minds, the mindset that you need to have to have creativity. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah, Let's do what Shudi's doing. Let's just put our hands in our heads and we just say, Papa, rework my mindset right now. I'm open. I'm open. Are you open? All right. So think about it for a minute. You have things right now in your mind that are an obstacle to your growth. Cool, huh? And you have things in your mind right now that are the proponent and cheerleader of growth. And they work against each other. They have two opposite goals. Agreed? And our job as humans... Your job, your mission, if you choose to accept it, (laughs) is to take all of the opposing thoughts and their origins. And it's not enough to just stick them in a corner. They have to be looked at personally, analyzed, healed, and distributed to the right location. Hell or heaven would be my two choices. (laughs) And one of the things that will help you the most is if you will discover that if you feel things within you that are not biblical feelings, you with me? Those are not from God then. Right? Right? And the sooner that you're aware of what those are and what those mindsets are, the sooner you can do something with them. Because we get so bogged down with time dealing with stuff that's not even the stuff. Right? right. And don't you hate that feeling? I had it recently. It's how it's so prevalent on my mind right now where you're so wrapped up trying to deal with something and then you don't get to do the stuff you want to do. Does anybody ever have that happen? 
How do you feel about that? So wouldn't it be great if we spent less time in the muck and more time in the glory? That would be my hope for you. Right? Agreed? And so you remember I talked about the scarcity versus abundance mindset. Did did you revisit those at all? I would I would admonish you strongly to realize what things you're thinking. Excuse me. That was that chickenless <laughs> soup I had. When you have chicken tortilla soup and there's no chicken in it, what is it then? It's just l- broth. That's what it is. It's, it's just broth. Anyway, broth. Are y'all with me? Yes. So tonight, you know, I've been on this new little book I mentioned to you, Your Best Year Ever. That's what I'm hoping for you. And and think about what that would look like for you. I hope it would look like not doing the same thing you're, you did today. Did you have a good day today? Okay, I would hope that this time next year would be better than today. Do you remember when you didn't really put together too many good days in a row? Does anybody remember that at all? I mean, you'd be like, if you had a good day once a month, you'd be like telling everybody. (laughs) Right? My favorite line in a sports movie, if you you saw that movie about um, the one we just saw, all American underdog? Is that what's all American or just American? Anyway, the coach was like, quit basically, quit acting like you've never won before. You know, they no, that was a different movie. Never mind. Anyway, I saw this sports movie recently, and and they the little it was a little peewee team. That's what it was, and they they just didn't lose by the, the when they got up fifty. The other team got up fifty points. The electricity would go off. And they just celebrated because they got to play the whole game without the. And the coach was saying, "Stop! You didn't even come close to winning. Don't act like you're excited." See, the the goal of celebration was so low. And so, part of our job as human beings is to live inside the promises that the Bible says we can. You know, I I like, let me read you a little scripture tonight. I wasn't going to even read you any, but look. In in the Passion Translation in my new Takarta Bible, I'm just trying it out. It's just a test run. Don't love it. But anyway, um, well, I love the Bible, but you know, (laughs) the way they have decided to format it. It says this, it says, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercy? Right? So you have had mercy. Yes. And so now as a human being, you're responding. Has anybody ever gotten a gift recently? Yes. Have you ever, I do this thing when people get gifts, I watch their response. Does anybody else do that? I'm intrigued by how gifts make people feel. 
See, once you become a biblically good human, (laughs) I like that, then your responses line up with the word. Right? So just think about yourself for a minute when you get a gift. What is the feeling you have? Do you deserve it? Are you happy about it? Do you wish it was something else? Do you think that person don't know me very good? I want to talk to you about that tonight a little bit. It says, our proper response. He says, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifice. So that tells me something. He wants me to be living. But it requires surrender to understand the sacrifice. That's just my response to mercy. You know, let's don't make things such a big deal. And then he tells you to live in holiness and experience all that delights his heart. That would be the way to delight. Right? I'm, I've got mercy. This is the cycle. I get mercy. Then I surrender and become something living for him. And then I live holy the right way. Right? And then what I do, I get all his stuff. All the, what, all, what delights him? Have you thought about me? Is he a Dr. Pepper guy? I mean, I don't know. What does delight, what is, what delights God? Think about it for a minute. I want to experience, (laughs) have you tasted that just yet? To experience just for a moment. And what if that was our 24, 7, 365? What is that? And then it says, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship becomes. That tells me it's an ongoing process. So remember the cycle. I get mercy. I surrender as a response. So don't act like (laughs) that God needs to do another thing. The thing got done. Mercy extended. I'll respond. Because what? What's the goal to express worship? But this this is the process to get to genuine worship. That means anything outside of this may be a good song service, may make you cry, but it's not a genuine expression of worship. And that genuine expression of worship is a sweet fragrance to him. And that's why you're here as a human being. And so the next, the next sentence is, so stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. 
This reformation empowers you to discern God's will to live a beautiful life, a satisfying life, and a perfect life in his eyes. So see, that's just two verses that I'm going to talk about tonight. Part of my adventure in life is discovering new ways to say the same thing. I've, I've mentored since I was 11. The first little girl I mentored, her dad had sexually abused her, and she would come to my house every day after school for, for years. And that was my first step in mentoring. My next step in mentoring, I remember it well, I was 17, and th- my neighbor, I've told this story before, I still remember her name, she came to my house, and we were both just about to go into her junior year. And she said, I've just been to the doctor, and I just had an abortion. And in that moment, all I knew to say, I've told this story before, is, well, come go to church with me on Wednesday. Now, I'm so far away from that mentality now. I just look back at that little Teresa and I feel sorry for her because she was really scared. You know, that was the first time I'd ever heard anybody admit to having an abortion, but all I could think of was that she had probably had sex. That was worse in my, you don't understand that I was raised (laughs) religiously, so I couldn't see the need. Have you have you have you been with that girl before? Standing there and realizing you missed the need the whole time. They were telling you a random story that offended some other section of your brain and you just missed the need. Been there? Well that that should sober us in the least. That should compel us, and it did. It compelled me to not do that anymore. It compelled me to learn a way to see beyond what people do and say so that I could speak to the need that's really in their heart. And that I would sum up my life like that, that I've spent my life trying to discover new ways to say the same thing over and over. I mean, because Jesus loves you and you need him just doesn't seem to be enough for some people. And so that can't just, we can't have a one note. Okay? So you right now, whether you like it or don't like it, you have been assigned a plot, a territory. It's actually part of your promised land. It's called a job. And that is territory where giants live. And they intimidate you because of what's in your mind. If you change your mind tonight, if I say one thing tonight that'll change your mind, you'll go look at those giants tomorrow and you'll do something different with them. Or you can leave here and you can go to work tomorrow hating on it. So I have a few slides, 45. So 
The first one is from this book that I'm looking at. It's number two, Vinton. And it's what we're doing tonight. I'm wanting to give you an upgrade. You have a belief. And have you ever had an Android, I mean, sorry, an old phone? <laughs> sorry. Have you ever had an old phone? Now, let's just use that analogy that you have an old device and the system, this system is getting constant software updates. And some of your devices don't even work with the new network. But there's new stuff available all the time. It might cost you a little bit to get out of the Android world, right? But it's available. Apple World's available. It depends on if you if you want to pay for that. The world of Apple is going on, right? It's the same way in the kingdom. It's the same exact analogy. There are old. And Android ways in an Apple world, and they don't cross mix. You can't send the same stuff. You got limits. Only the people in the Apple world know what the Android people are missing out on. Right? We have one. Android user amongst us. And so in, in their small group text, it, they're limited to how they can text because they have to dummy down the texting to meet up so the Android can receive it. She don't mind. She's a sanguine. And so that's the same way it is in the kingdom. The people around you that know you're in an antiquated thought system. Dummy down the conversation. So you get to participate. Because you won't change what's up here. That's what I'm talking about tonight. Beliefs keep us stuck. They can, right? We can get unstuck by upgrading our beliefs. That's that's the invitation tonight. You can be offended at me right now, and you cannot like what I'm saying or how I'm saying it, but I'm just telling you what's available to you. And, and all the people who want the upgrade are going to skip in the street. They're going to be dancing with their new iPhones. And they're going to be sending each other stuff and videos, and they're not going to get that, can't send that little sign. Are you with me? Yes. So, I wanted to um, mention a few things he said in the book, so i got a couple slides. So, he has some, some neat, I like, the way he writes is he kind of, shows you some steps towards something. Now, you know, I, if you don't know me very well, I, I sort of am opposed to the 12-step programs. I'm opposed to, because I want you to engage with the Holy Spirit, but I know 
You know, I have this good analogy for you. I think he said it in the book, but how that if you were an alcoholic and then you decided to go to an AA meeting, they would give you some coping mechanisms as a starter, right? So one of them would, they say is, you know, instead of saying never drink again, they say, I'll do this activity an activity they used to drink at. I'll do this activity today and I won't do it with a drink in my hand. That's that's just the beginning stages of learning to do it with a coping mechanism. Do we understand that principle? And so I know that I would love for y'all to just sit down with the Holy Spirit and him zooms that bam, you just get delivered from all these crazy mindsets that actually affect your actions. But I know some of y'all need some steps, some coping mechanisms, if you will, to entreat you into the more. Like you can't hardly see where to start because it's so chaotic. And I get that. So I'm, that's what I'm doing tonight. Okay. And so, but if you don't do the steps or you don't even listen again, or you don't even write them down, or you don't even talk to your mentor about them, then we might as well just be talking about the Super Bowl on Sunday. I can tell you some stuff about that. Right? But I'm tell- I'm tonight talking to you about your mind. The way you think, whether you know it or not, affects me. And so I want you to feel, I want you to do what we just read in Romans, Right? Those, that, that little cycle there, that was some steps, right? Okay. So he, in his book, he is talking about good ways to revise our beliefs, if you will. Um, he made a couple of statements. Let me read those first, actually, Vinton. Let's read. Jump down to... No, let's just start where I got. It. So the the this where he's talking about right now in this book is he's talking about some ways to identify actually what you believe. And then he gives you some things to do with it after you've identified it. So his first one is to recognize the power of your beliefs. Now, I said this last week. It's not necessarily something he's saying, but I believe that um what I believe, I live by. So in the religious world, in my faith, at one time I used to think, I always use this one, but that God used sickness to train us. Now, I maybe didn't say those words out loud, but here's the way it would transfer into my thinking. When I hear somebody being sick, I think, I wonder what they did wrong. Anybody ever done that? That's, that's. Wrong. That's a wrong belief. So what did that limit me in doing with my faith? What did it, what did it limit me? Yeah, I didn't really see a lot of healing. <laughs> because I was always thinking, well, if you learn your lesson here, whatever God's trying to teach you here, you'll be healed. And that isn't even what he said. He didn't even say you had to be saved to be healed. I didn't read that part in the Bible, but now I have, right? So what did it do? It freed my faith 
to operate in the way that it was meant to, which is every bit of sickness is of the devil. So I'm just, I'm routing the devil everywhere I can, exposing him, shining a light on him, talking to people about it, letting them know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Isn't it weird how we think people are the problem? But that's another story. But anyway, are you with me? So think about it. What kind of beliefs do you have like that? I don't think any of us have that belief anymore in here because I talk about it all the time. That exposed it. And you thought, oh, I want I want to think like Tisa's thinking now. I used to think like Tisa thinks and she changed. Yes. Right? Isn't that why some of y'all changed? Yes. Yeah. So let's do that with some other stuff. Yes. So a really good one for a lot of y'all in here is that you have that thought that you're rejected. You come pre-rejected. And so see, that's the same thought is that God's using sickness to teach you someone a lesson. It's the same thought. It's just right up there, just another random thought that that some experience told you that that's probably true. It's the same way that we learned all that God uses sickness to train. It's the same way. We just heard somebody say something once. We didn't check it. We don't take the rejection thing and check it. Hey, do you think I'm pre Hey, are you rejecting me? Do you hate me? We don't check it. Right? We don't read it anywhere in the Bible where it says how we operate in it. But we bring that into the group, and then it begins to poison my interaction. And then I, people have actually told me how I feel about them, and it's not even right. That's a shocker, because I'm thinking, when were you in here? But they based it on how they thought that thing I did spoke to them when I probably didn't even see them. Oh, well, then that made it even more because I didn't see them. You see, you can find you're not even thinking about what I might have to do when you walk by. You might, you don't even think about what was going on in my, in any other person's world, but your world, they, they, I'm, they got to say this to me. Do you see now think for a minute, if you can, what kind of thoughts do you have like that, that just reoccur? Are you doing it? Do you like them? Do you want to think different about them? Okay. Well, so we have to recognize this power. It says, recognize the limiting belief. If a belief reflects black and white thinking, what's that? What's black and white thinking? How many have it? Okay, this is a great one. Because... What, how does it hinder us? You know, I think Lynn is probably the most, has been, she's working on it, black and white thinker maybe I've ever met. I don't know. Aaron's a close second, though. And so what do they do? They see, tell them what you do. Yeah, it's either this or it's that. I, I begin to talk to Lynn about that gray area. 
And that was a foreign land to her. And it was wrong. And see, I see that black and white thinking flare up, right? So what are we calling that? It's a limiting. Wonder what it would limit you in. Mercy. Grace. Interaction with people. Your favorite question is, why did they do that? What were they thinking? Well, they weren't thinking like you were thinking. They're not black and white thinkers. So it's limiting. I'm just using it. It's limiting. Agreed that it's limiting. The same thing is true about personalization. Now, I had to look this up for y'all. It's slide five. Do you know what it is? Here we go. Listen to this. Design or produce something to meet someone's individual requirements. Who has this? Lynn, raise your hand. Who has this? Lynn, raise your hand, babe. Do y'all want me to point y'all out? I can come around the room. Thank you, Phil. Cause something, especially an issue or argument or debate, to become concerned with personalities or feelings rather than with general abstract matters. Black and white thinkers are often this as well. Because why? They, they, everything's designed to meet this certain thing. I love watching Lynn interact with AT&T because it works against this one that she had it with them the last two days. And so, man, it's so fun to watch. And it's, I mean, who's that girl you got a hold of today? Julie? Robin. Rock and Robin was the winner today that, that Lynn got today. Six hours later. And so that tells me that black and white and personalization, personalization is still alive in Lynn. Because that's what the Holy Spirit's avenue. Do you even see this avenue in your own life? Where is it working out for you? Helping other people. Where is it working? A mentor is saying helping other people. What? Where is it working it out in you? Can you see it? Can anybody see it? Can Raise your hand if you can see it. I know you don't want to say where it's working out. The rest of you cannot see it? Not sure. Okay. Well, we'll keep working at it. Okay. So, if probably if you have no idea what I'm talking about right now, you probably don't do it. Cool. Help them, Mendel. T- tell them. If they, don't, if, they, if they don't know what I'm talking about, you're probably not doing it. Okay. The next thing he said, go back to slide um, three again. Catastrophizing. Is that how you say it? Something like that. You know what I'm saying. So there's, there's the way you pronounce it right there. I'll put it on there. Okay. Are you with me? To view or talk about an event or situation as worse than it actually is or as if it was a catastrophe. Who does that? <laughs> the Huff clan, they're good at it. So it's limiting. Why do we do that? We have to present it bigger for what reason? Remember what Mendel was talking about, about our needs. We've got to restructure what our needs are, right? 
Got to understand how to get those met in a different way. How many can see that you do that and that that's really limiting? Can you see it's like, okay, some of us can't see it's limiting value. Well, though, how many have had someone catastrophize on them? Is it limiting to y'all? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so speak to the people. <laughs> Why is it limiting? Come on, y'all, don't get, don't get offended. Come on, we're just playing. Why, why is it limiting the people who, who get that done to? It's the boy that cried wolf. That's what it is. You cried wolf and it was a peanut. <laughs> it was a little bunny. You made it bigger than it was. And so then when you have an actual need, people can't trust you. Limiting? Yes. Why is it limiting? Because it misrepresents what's really going on. So what does it make people? Ha- you will not have close relationships if you do that. That's why it's limiting. Okay? That sounds limiting. Okay, now you're with me. And the last one was universalizing. What does that mean? What do you think that means? How's that limiting? Nothing ever sticks on you. Yep, can't own nothing. Yep, you get it? Limiting, right? Agreed? Okay, uh, number four. It could be coming from a past experience, these limiting beliefs. These, These were four ways he described. It's just four little categories. There's way more, right? It could be coming from a past experience. Is that true? So just think about the catastrophic one. How do you think that got started? Breeze could write a book on it. How did it get started? Yeah. It was modeled, right? This is how you get your needs met. It's got to be hospital worthy. Can't just get a hug or a Band-Aid Monday. Are you with me? How many have, have, have no idea what we're talking about right now? Never. Okay. You can get it from the media or your social circle. Whatever the content of the belief, no matter how true it seems, it's important to recognize that it's just an opinion about reality. And there's a good shot. It's wrong. Listen. The way you can tell you're thinking something that limits you is through external events. How you interact at work. How do, what is this thing people keep telling you over and over at work? The same thing over and over and over. How, what kind of relationships you have. Do they keep telling you the same thing over and over and over? That's, you are the one carrying around a load of limiting beliefs. And the people inside your relationship, they will tell you until they realize they're not going to change that. And then what do they do? They withdraw connection to be able to be in relationship with you. And see, probably the thing you really want is connection. 
but you've got all these beliefs that are actually obstacles between you and people. It happens at work. It happens at home. It happens at church. Now, see, maybe all of y'all are perfect in all this, and you have none of this. But people coming in are going to have this. And so it's just good for you to realize what's really going on. This helps me to know I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I'm wrestling with a person who has a belief that's not from God. Does that help? Did I make y'all too cold, didn't I? See, I got hot for a second, but let me just fix it. Y'all are all panicking now. I can see you. Everybody's acting like they need a parka or something. So step one, again, is recognizing, okay, the power of these beliefs. So do we all agree tonight? Can we go home tonight saying we recognize that our beliefs have power? And you believe what I'm saying, that if I would find out the origin of them, I can change them and heal them, right? Okay. All right. Number two is confront your limiting beliefs. Now here's some, he wanted to let us know what these were. They might be, I don't have enough experience. I don't have the right experience. These are limiting. I can't write. I always quit. I'm not creative. I always fail eventually. I'm not very good with money. I'm not very disciplined. I'm terrible with technology. Surely none of those have come out of your mouth, right? (laughs) You're prophesying with your belief. This is what you believe. And so you prophesy to yourself and then you find people. Instead of learning, you prophesy to them, I'm not good with technology. So what is your what are you telling them with your tiny little bitty limited belief? What are you telling them? Don't expect me. If you're going to use technology with me, don't expect me to do it good. Well, you're doing it with the same way. If you don't believe in mentorship, you're prophesying, I don't really care if I tell you my stuff. I don't really care if you help me. I'll just tell you something if I have to, if my wife makes me. And then I'm limiting what a mentor's job is. And you know, the weird thing is then I'll act like I'm doing the mentor a favor. So see, those are all limiting beliefs about what I've actually prophesied. Because I don't believe. I don't believe in mentoring. Yeah. So it says, let's be honest, it could be anything, but we all have our own challenges, right? right yeah. So it's also important to identify the source of your limiting beliefs. Yeah. Let's just use this mentoring challenge. Yeah. How many, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many were raised to understand that you needed accountability? So that right there, if that's zero in your life, then you don't understand the Bible. Right? Teresa didn't make it up. And see, any organization, not even church, but any organization that chooses to establish people within it to actually help and advise you with your limiting beliefs is actually operating in a biblical standard. 
is called making disciples. Are you with me? We just gave it a new 20th century name. So what did Jesus do when he made disciples? He spent time with them and he interacted with them in every area of life. So see, mentorship only works when they're able to touch every area of life. Discipleship only works if every place that the discipleship person, the mentor, is off limits in your life. You already are limited with growth. Think about the disciples if they said, hey, Jesus. Hey, Jesus. Sorry. (laughs) I said a song come to my mind right there. Um, I'll meet you at the 7-Eleven, but don't come over to work, you know, because we're out fishing. And just I'll meet you over there after work, right? And we'll just talk about what I decide I want to talk about after work. See, so here we are. We have a whole thing going on. They wouldn't have experienced the caster net on the other side. They wouldn't experience walking on water. See, they allowed Jesus into every sector to experience the king in every level. And see, that's the true heart of mentorship, of discipleship. Call it whatever name you want to call it, friendship, whatever. That's the heart. It's not, oh my gosh, I'm going to get in trouble. I got this horrible thing going on. I just, you know, I just, I'm just going to have to call and tell somebody, you know, or, yeah, you know, I just made a whole bunch of random decisions with money and then I can't tithe now, but I don't want to tell anybody, you know, but I guess I'll just mention it just in case, you know, maybe they want to help me with budget one time a year. See, that's not how discipleship works. It's like, it's saying all the doors are open. And see, if I started out by saying how many were raised to know about accountability, this whole generation wasn't raised that way. They raised themselves. And themselves didn't wake up and say, man, I better be accountable. I'm going to lose my bucket. I'm going to lose my lunch money. No. They thought, I can do this. I don't need anybody. I sure don't need that kind of advice I was getting at home. I'll go out there and make my own way. So, it's important to identify the source of your limiting beliefs, whether it's past experience, the news media, social media, or negative relationships. So, that's what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to confront. I'm showing you how right now. Yeah. I'm saying look straight in the eye of what you, what's really going on with you, what you really believe down inside. And that's really what you're putting effort, effort towards. Yeah. I mean, all of y'all that are regulars you pretty much know you want to come here and you pretty much know what i'm going to say i mean i'm going to say some truth you pretty much know she's going to get there and yell around and we're going to have to be all excited about the holy spirit we might get prayed for every now you kind of know what to expect but see beyond that then there's growth happening and so we can't take limiting beliefs out right to the growth areas, which means that people are coming that want to be discipled, right? So we have to have that in place in our own lives, right? So we can model for them what they actually need. Agreed? 
Okay. Number three. Are we on three? Three. Upgrade your beliefs. Now, he has a really cool little plan for upgrading our beliefs, which is really what we're doing, right? That's kind of the whole point of this exercise that we're talking about tonight. Not just to say where we are, right? It's not just to point out these ways. I mean, it feels weird to know you're a black and white thinker and, and, and thinking it was right. You know, I know I used to talk to Lynn about it a lot. And I used to be a black and white thinker too. But I remember when I was introduced, Jaretta introduced us to Gray. And I thought she was crazy. But, you know, I love Gray now. I live in Gray with people a lot. And so why Gray is so good is because I still know the black and white. But my mercy operates in Gray. And so I want to operate in mercy more than I do black. Does the black and white thinking never come up? Oh, yeah, it comes up with everyone right now. It's happening, it's happening right now. I know most of y'all stuff. I could shoot y'all some straight stuff right now. But I, I'm in gray right now. This is my mercy. Start. <laughs> my melon says, thank you for the gray. Start. By evaluating whether the belief is empowering or not. Let's go with, doesn't make you heavy. Leads to some abundant life. Do do we even know this? Do we even know if some thought I have? Do we? Great. Bro says 100%. Mr. Black and White says 100%. (laughs) Everybody knows it. See, he and I think just alike. That's what I think too. And then I realize, oh, everybody doesn't know it. So see, I'll tell him now. Everybody doesn't know it. (laughs) Try to look at it objectively. Now, if you don't even know it exists, you might need some help. Okay. To look at it objectively, you would have to know it existed. Right? Did you know that sometimes there's a lot of people, I know this is going to be shocking to some of you, there's a lot of people that don't know their beliefs, don't know their feelings, don't know they're operating out of a belief. You know, a lot of us, even in this room, we don't really want to be inconvenienced. We don't want to, it to be too late or too early or too much or too little. We, we, we want it, you know, if I said, Hey, we're going to do service 24 seven, you know, for the next two months, you know, some of y'all would have a problem with that. You see, I could introduce, and my point is I could introduce something to you right now that you would have a belief about that you would immediately begin to think of reasons why that wouldn't work for you. That's, that's what my point is. We're not doing 24-hour uh, service. I'm, I'm trying to introduce to you an outlandish proposal creates your beliefs to pop up, and that might be how you could find them. You're welcome. Is it enabling you to accomplish the outcomes you want, or is it preventing you from doing so? That's this amazing step three. If you don't identify something, I, the chances of you changing it are... Zero. So this is a targeted exercise. Are you with me? Can everyone in here think of a belief they would like to change right now? If you can, raise your hand. All right. Would anyone like to share one with me? No. Okay. 
Great. So now, did your mentor hear that? I don't know. Okay. Why is your face so red? So, so now you can go to her and you can say, help me see how I don't do this. And see, if it's really that simple. Yeah. It really is. And if, if she's honest, then she would, re- she would receive that input and say, the next ste- steps we'll talk about is how she can change that. Okay? So it's that simple. Yeah. Are you with me? Yes. Would anyone else want to share? Yes? Not loving myself fully. Great. Did your mentor hear that? Yeah. Okay. Does your mentor love herself? Okay, well then that's a great example to learn. So, Shooty loves Shooty, but Shooty hasn't always loved Shooty. So, someone helps Shooty love Shooty. So now Shooty can help Tessa love Tessa. See, that's how it's simple. And so she's going to be able to point out these places where... So, um, let's jump down V to number 11. So here they are in a little order, and I'm going to talk about these ones under upgrading beliefs, okay? So they're recognize, record, review, reject or reframe, revise, and reorient. That's the little steps underneath this upgrade part, okay? So we already went over the first two steps, how that you need to recognize, and we already all agree. We said we agreed, right? Okay, and now we're going to confront the ones, right? We're going to go mess what, what do you all know it's a Bible verse? Taking every thought captive and making it obedience, confronting it. you got to get in there with it and say, what do you, what do you think really? Right? Be Tisa to them. What do you think really? Why are you thinking? Where'd you learn that? Okay. Okay. So let's talk about these little steps. Number 15, recognize your limiting belief. Upgrade your thinking starts with awareness. Take a minute to reflect on what beliefs are holding you back. Okay. The next one, record the belief. He's, he has a little chart. So in the left-hand column, so he's wanting you to put it over here on the left, jot down the belief. He's wanting you to make a little chart and writing it down helps you what? Get it out here. Remember what we always say, there's more room out here. So you got a little chart going, okay? The next one is you're going to review the belief, evaluate how the belief is serving you. Is it empowering? Is it helping you reach your goal? And you could write that down, right? Right? The next one is reject or reframe the belief. Sometimes you can simply contradict a limiting belief. Other times you might need to build a case against it or look at your obstacles from a better angle. So that's part of, there's part of it that you might want to reject. So let's just go back to the one about sickness. So I had to reject the fact that God would use that. Because, you know, really what that limited me, it limited me to to actually learn more about healing. Because yeah. I thought, well, what? how will I know if it applies or not? Because, I mean, if God's using it one time, I could be working against God. I mean, there's just so many beliefs that went with that. Right. Crazy, right? I mean, then when I realized, okay, why would God work against Jesus if Jesus is the healer? So that makes sense. So I began to contradict it with the word. The word's much more helpful, right? I begin to contradict it. And then I built a case 
against it. And the case was, I need to learn about healing because I want to do what Jesus did. And so that made any time. Now, is it true that when I hear about sickness, does the old thought pop up there? Well, I wonder, and I, nope, I'm not going to think like that anymore. Because that's not how I want to believe. I don't want the rest of my life to look like that. Does that make sense? And yeah. that's that's how it's going to happen. Yeah. Those old beliefs don't go away forever. But you have such a case built against them. They're laughable. On, See, I think y'all think something's wrong with you because they still pop in there. You spend so much time worrying about what's popping in. Say, well, do you have a case against it or not? I mean, go to the file cabinet, see what case number it is, get the folder out and read it and say, oh, no, we already we already went to court over this. This is a settled issue. We spend more time in the, why is that coming up in my mind? Because you were told to think about it. There it is. I have a whole file cabinet full of stuff I don't believe anymore. So when that comes by, you know, I have to be honest, half the stuff that I say out of my mouth, like tonight we were in the green room and Shudi was talking about some different things and I started telling her some things and I went to the bathroom and the Holy Spirit told me something in the bathroom. But when I said it out of my mouth was the first time I even realized what was happening. It wasn't like I had this whole thing. I just started telling her, well, I was in the bathroom. This is what the Holy Spirit said. And he said this. And as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, well, that's the answer. Right? And so, see, if I had a limiting belief, which it could have happened so easy to me right over there in the green room. I could have been like, oh, well, you know, stop thinking like that, you know. And, you know, we always want to tell people to stop it. And (laughs) how many love that? When you're trying to share something with somebody and they just tell you to stop it. Nobody's ever had that? Okay, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so and so it's really important to realize that we've got to know a case against these beliefs. Are you with me? Yes. Next is revise the belief. Now over here in the right-hand column. We're going to write down the new liberating truth that corresponds with the old belief. I mean, I'm telling you, if y'all would do this exercise, you would have a whole argument against everything. You could just go right over there. Here's what my one way was, and here's what my new way is. I used to think Jesus, I mean, God used sickness, and now I know all sicknesses of the devil. That's the only two things I need. Because that thought is never going to end. I was told, most of y'all were told something a lot longer than you've been working on the liberating truth. Now, that over there when I hear of sickness, it's not very strong anymore. But there still is a thought that I could so easily slip back into that. Why? Because I, I am not as proficient in healing as I want to be. So it's, it's easier. To believe that God may use it. It, re- it exalts me of responsibility. And I, I would propose to you most of our beliefs are that way. 
It's easier to believe them. And our box of living is so tiny. Than to actually experience the abundance. And the abundance of God lives over here in this other place. Are you sure you believe me? And then obviously the next step, you're going to be really confused. That's why you need to reorient. Right? You're going to have to be like, wait, wait. I used to believe this. I used to be like, oh, man, I was just believing that. And then all of a sudden I got this. I'm like, I got to re, I got to get my bearings here. I mean, and so your actions aren't going to be real smooth right there. You need to inform somebody. I'm in the process of a reorientation right now. I'm a little stumbly. I'm clumsy with my new thing. I'm not good at it. I mean, that would be a helpful conversation to have with people. You could even wear a shirt that said, I'm in the process of getting out of some really limiting beliefs, and I'm not quite liberated yet into truth. Right? See, my thing is I want to tell as many people what I'm working on so that when I'm not doing it good, they can say, weren't you working on you know, I had to work on my mouth for a long time. See, because God wanted to anoint my mouth, and my mouth shot off stuff all the time. Just any old thing I wanted to, because I was, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And I had to spend years working on my mouth, and I had to let people say, is that, that was really hurtful. Did you mean to say that? And I had some people that weren't that nice. And why? Because I wanted my mouth to be saved. I wanted the part of me that God's anointed me to use to be able to live under his anointing. So what part of you does God want to anoint? So you're going to have to go through a training process to reorient yourself with liberating truths. Good? Okay. I had many more things, but let's stop there. It's nine o'clock. Um, so this is a good little exercise and you know we'll be talking about it in our training session here coming up and i wanted to restate that this week we're going to be going out and i've got a sign up sheet back there for everyone who wants to sign up to go blitz the neighborhood it's going to be really nice so you can get out there and um, the sign-up sheet's going to be back there with the Sozo sign-up sheet. Now, there's a Sozo sh- sign-up sheet back there, too. That's a lot of essence for Tisa to say. And so if you want a Sozo on Saturday, sign up. There's still all the slots are available. So rush the table. And keep in mind that we're going to be adjusting our fire hubs coming out. So... You know, you might think about like one week you may want to come to a training session and one week you may want to go out or vice versa. And you're free to choose what you want to do there. And um, we'll be having all kinds of uh, treasure hunting that we're going to be doing. So does that sound good to y'all and fun? Yes. Okay. Mendel, come close. Oh. <laughs> Apparently I was funny. I didn't know it. I was funny without trying. I have to find um, 
All right, so you're still awake, right? We still have a few more minutes in you. Okay, I have a fun thing to share. Um, I just felt I've had, I've been, I've been holding this ever since February 2nd. What is that, seven whole days? Goodness, I know. But I feel like tonight's the night. So last week, and I, I realize it's, it's connected in a cool way. I think it will be very encouraging to you. But I know this is, I could, I could feel the Holy Spirit on it because in worship, warm up and our pre-service prayer and worship, it kind of started to even be talked about when we were talking about his voice, right? I also know because there's been a lot of enemy pushback about hearing, connecting and hearing communication and stuff like that. There's been a lot of pushback on that. So I know he's highlighting us, the emphasis of his voice just and specifically, I had this encounter with him last week that um, filled my heart with just a new level of reverence and gratitude for his voice um, from the very beginning, okay, from the very, very beginning. Um, several things that were said tonight even reminded me of this. I think, um, I think it was Tisa was earlier talking about um, celebrating our history and what God's done for us. And then, and then seeing that happen again in our future. And we can apply that to what she just taught on too, about the limiting beliefs that we have already been set free from and the upgraded beliefs we want to move into. But what about going all the way back to the very, very first miracle that God did, which is when you heard his voice and knew and recognized his voice and chose to actually follow him. When you first, the very first time you actually became a redeemed child of God, restored to the Father. I think for most of us probably didn't even have, for one reason or another, didn't even have the capacity at the time to recognize what a big deal that was. You know, because it's sort of like just this thing that happens and maybe you're really little or maybe you were just older and you didn't know what was happening, but you knew something happened, you know. So... I was, I had been on that for a couple of days, but then on February 2nd, I was like, man, there's just something about this being two, you know, February 2, 2, 22. And so I just decided I was going to read all the verses I could that were two, two twos. And so I just started at the beginning of my Psalms and Proverbs and went on into the New Testament and I got to Luke 2, 22, and I found what he was wanting to say to me that day. And at this point in the story, in Luke 2.22, it says, 40 days after the birth of her son, Mary's time of purification had completed. So she came to the temple with a sacrifice according to the law of Moses. So Mary and Joseph took baby Jesus to Jerusalem to be dedicated before the Lord. Now in the Passion Translation, the footnote there is what blew me away. It said, the Ark of the Covenant signifying the presence of God had been absent from the temple since 586 BC. So 586 years, the presence of God had been missing from the temple. Now the Holy Spirit kind of slid this extra theme into our word of the year about being his temple, right? So there's something in conjunction with this word of the year about his being his temple. And I feel like he's going to continue to teach us new things, show us new things in that using that kind of analogy about we are his temple. 
And so that struck me that the temple had been absent of the presence of God since 586 BC when the Babylonians destroyed the temple. Herod's temple had no Ark of Covenant until Jesus came into the temple that day. God returned to the temple when Mary carried her baby into its courts. The significance of that moment, God returned, his presence returned to the temple on earth when Jesus was carried in as a baby into the temple that day. And so that made me think about this other thing that I'd been hearing. I'd I'd started singing this song in the shower about Holy One, Holy One, the voice that's true, the voice that I knew. Wow, I, I knew his voice. Because in John 10, 9, I think it is, or 10, 10, I can't it's right there, 9 and 10, talks about how the, the sheep will know the voice of the shepherd, right? And they will follow the voice of the shepherd. And so in my journey, I began to follow the shepherd. And eventually over time, people started to say, what are you doing? You know, why are you following? What are you doing? You must have lost your mind if you're doing that. And it's like, well, I can't not because I knew the voice. I knew the voice and I couldn't not follow. And so when I look back, even in my own story, in my own life, sometimes I'm, I'm utterly shocked that I was, that I made certain decisions because I, all logic pointed against the thing I made, the decision I made all of my previous thinking, all of my current limiting beliefs, I knew were not in keeping with the, the, the transition that I made, the move that I made. And so, but it was because of that voice, you know, that de- defies logic. I was following his voice. And so I was like, just wow, like the, vo- the voice that I knew. I knew his voice without knowing anything, right? And so I wrote this word out of my gratitude, and I want to share it with you. And I want this to just kind of stir up your reverence for the fact that you you hear his voice, that you just the, that you know his voice. Not I'm not talking about those moments when you're like, man, Holy Spirit, tell me what to do in this moment, and you feel like you can't hear him. We are living, like the majority of us in this room are, I mean, almost all of us, I'm sure, are living with living from a place of knowing his voice. That's, that's why we're here. And so I said, Papa, my heart is filled, overwhelmed with gratitude, deep, deep, deep heartfelt thankfulness, deep, deep grat- gratefulness for all that I haven't known, the vast expanse that I couldn't see, didn't understand, that ever-growing sea of mystery that always seemed so distant to me. There's one thing. I was destined to know one thing I was destined to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, a knowing given purely as a gift to me, a knowing that was greater than every other mystery, a knowing born of your great mercy and love for me, a knowing that would forever serve me, a knowing that would forever lead me the Holy One, the voice of truth, the one voice of truth, I knew. I knew his voice. No shadow exists on this one truth. The Holy One, my shepherd, his voice, I knew. No measure of time or history or teaching could deny me this one truth. His voice, 
I knew. His voice I knew. My soul could mount no defense against this one truth. No reasoning could touch it. No logic could debate it. No fear could persuade me to evade it. His voice I knew. His voice I knew. This grace-powered, mercy-driven, divinely implanted knowing was the key that unlocked it all. The key that superimposed its truth on my soul, driving everything within me to follow that one note. The sound of his voice, the one that's true, the voice that I knew. I know for me personally, I have felt like I didn't know a lot of things in my life. You know, in my journey, there were a lot of things I felt I felt uncertain of, insecure. I'm definitely more of a feeler than a knower when it comes to that. So I've felt a lot of things and didn't even know what they were. So that, but that one voice, I knew his voice. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is wanting us to stir up our gratitude for that and, and stir up our reverence that you can hear his voice. It's, it's a, only by the grace of God that you knew his voice. And when you didn't even know what you were doing, you made steps to follow his voice. Yes, that's it. it wasn't out of our own reasoning or nothing of our own, except for that, that divinely planted knowing that, that God said, when you came to this earth, the one thing you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt was his voice. And nothing could stop you from knowing that voice. So there was an interesting um, and little nugget that the Holy Spirit stuck in here. That word superimposed stood out to me. The key that superimposed its truth on my soul. So I had to look deeper into that, and I thought, well, I'm going to look up the definition of superimposed. And it, the first thing that came up, just in you know the Apple Notes version of um, dictionary, said something that is placed or laid over something else typically so that both things are still evident. And so I was asking the Holy Spirit about that, and I felt like that was that his voice was placed over my soul, my soul that had been taught different things, that had learned different things, had different operating systems. Both were still there. I, didn't, I wasn't instantly transformed. And inst my soul wasn't instantly in alignment with his voice, but they were both present at the same time. And so I, you know, then we enter into this journey where we follow his voice and we have our mind renewed and our soul begins to come in alignment with his voice, which is what she was talking about today. We start exchanging those limiting beliefs into an upgraded belief and we have the mind of Christ. So I wasn't satisfied with that definition right away though. So I thought, I'm going to Google the word, right? This, the strangest thing came up at the very top of my Google search. The only definition that pulled up at the very top was said that superimposed was an adjective used in geology. And it says it would be used talking about a stream or a draining system, drainage system, having a course not adjusted to the structure of the rocks presently undergoing erosion, but determined rather by a prior erosion cycle or a formerly overlying rocks or sediments. 
Okay. So in the natural, they're talking about, you know, generally we think water follows the path of the rocks or whatever, the grass and all that, that is on the ground right there. And it's saying that this would be an example of in geology where water actually doesn't follow the course of the ground, but there's something deeper underground on a deeper level that came first on the earth that the water follows that, that line. Okay. And so it was the coolest thing to me because I realized his voice, right, was the stream. Tessa just shared a word about this, about the two streams coming together, forming the one stream. Okay, this is this was another word. I didn't realize it till afterwards. It's the same, same concept. But his voice, a stream, laid over our soul. And his voice didn't follow the structure of our soul's condition at that time. Of, of all the things we learned, it followed, his voice followed our original design. His voice flows with our life and through our soul, speaking to us the whole time according to our original design, not what we had become. And so I said, thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful, so overwhelmingly grateful. Thank you. I'm so thankful I knew your voice. I'm so thankful for the knowing that couldn't be denied, that logic could not set aside. I'm so thankful for the knowing that rose above everything I'd ever known, everything I'd ever done, everything that was not in keeping with life in the sun. None of it mattered. Your voice rose above it all. It flowed in keeping with your design of me, despite everything that I'd made of me. Your voice, Jesus, divinely connected to my original design, flowed in keeping with it, despite my plans for my life. You were above it all, unquenchable. You flowed and flowed so I could follow. So I could follow your voice of truth, your voice of restoration that would lead me and guide me every step of the way into who you'd made me to be. I was a temple without an ark. I was a temple filled with idols and their incense. I was a temple empty and void. I was a temple without hope until the day your voice spoke. That was the day covenant returned, and that was the day my temple became your home. What an amazing gift, right? What an amazing gift. I heard someone recently, you know, we talk about the sin nature, you know, we're all fallen in this fallen world. And I finally heard this thing recently that resonated better with me. I hated that that whole thing about our sin nature, you know, like that's just the underlying core of who we are and God help us, you know, that maybe we could change it. And I heard this teaching and he said, well, yeah, it's true that when we came to earth, we were born into a, a, a natural body that has a sin nature, but we were first designed in heaven. We were first divined in the heart of the father. So we were first, we first had a glory nature. That is actually our original design. We have a glory nature. Sin nature is not our starting place. 
And so it's that glory nature that his voice is superimposed on top of the sin nature and his voice is still speaking to us now so we can we can listen for that and trust it with this process of identifying limiting beliefs and ask him what's what is your voice saying what's actually in keeping with your mind Jesus and what's actually in keeping with how you designed me so papa i just want to say thank you today for this for this word for your scripture for the stories that you've shared with us all the ways that you have painted your presence in our life and the powerful, powerful voice that you have so graciously given to us. This process of a renewed mind is not made to be so difficult. It's not made to be impossible because we've been implanted with the knowing of your voice. And so I thank you that your voice is speaking today to us and that you are always speaking, that you are always flowing, and you are always flowing in the direction and the course of our original glory nature design. So I just impart over the people today and the people hearing the sound of my voice right now a divine um, knowing that you can trust the Lord Jesus' voice even more than you thought you could. You don't have to question it as much as you thought. You don't have to dig in the belly button of the mind of Christ to see if it works or if it's true. It's speaking and it's following your own glory nature and the very mind of Christ. Just as what as much as you supernaturally knew with beyond a shadow of a doubt, doubt that it was Jesus' voice, you can know the voice of truth over your limiting belief too. So we just thank you and Holy Spirit, I ask you to shore up this word to just just infuse each person with courage and with, um, with that grace power to pursue these upgraded beliefs. And we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for tonight. We love you, we love you, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.